That video is like 12 minutes. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't going to make you watch the whole thing, but that is a clip from my, one of my favorite YouTube channels, uh, the Hydraulic Press Channel. And that's literally what it is. It is a, a bunch of videos of stuff getting crushed by Hydraulic Press. Um, kids, I, am, I did not think it through. Thomas is fine. I promise that was just a rendering of him. He's totally okay. Uh, but yeah, it's just a channel where stuff gets crushed. But that channel has over six and a half million subscribers and 3.1 billion views. And we started with that video today, one, because it is weirdly satisfying to watch. Uh, but two, we're gonna be spending the next month talking about pressure. We're gonna be thinking about the things in our lives that can feel like they're crushing us. This series is called Contents Under Pressure. And over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the pressures in our lives. The pressure to achieve, the pressure of time, peer pressure, the pressures uh, that, that we deal with in our minds. Because we all face pressure in life. And the reality is, while great pressure can create diamonds, it can also do what we saw in that video. And it can crush us into dust. And so our goal is to look not just at the things that weigh on us, but how scripture informs the way that we push back against the things that weigh on us. How we can alleviate some of the pressure we feel. So, uh, so we're, we're going to be looking at tonight at the pressure to achieve. I want us to go ahead and jump into our scripture for tonight. Uh, we're going to be reading a story that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this is known uh, widely as the parable of the rich fool. This is Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Hear the word of our Lord. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will those be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. All right, the, the man in our parable experiences the same pressure to achieve that we all do. And scripture tells us that he's successful. So successful, in fact, that he ends up with more crops, more goods than he knows what to do with, more than he can use. And so he decides that he'll build even bigger barns so that he can store all of this excess. And he thinks to himself, this is great. I have way more than I need. And so now I can kick back and eat and drink and be merry. And then God comes into the picture and God says, you're a fool. And at first that may seem strange to us because honestly, as far as the world is concerned, this man has done everything right. He's achieved. He's been successful. 
He's been productive. He's done everything that he was supposed to do, and now he's enjoying the fruits of his labor. So why does God call him a fool? Why is he foolish? That's what we're going to be thinking about today. See, we all face the pressures to achieve. They did in Jesus' day, and, and you know what? We certainly do now. But there are two ways that we can respond to that pressure. And the first is, is the path that this rich fool took. He took the way of greed. Again, this, this is the path a rich man takes. He succumbs to the worldly pressure around him, and he's successful. He has this bountiful harvest, and, and there is nothing inherently wrong with him having a great year at work. The problem is, in his achievement, all he thinks about is himself. Notice that he, he doesn't thank God for this amazing crop. He doesn't recognize where all that he has comes from. And then on top of that, he also doesn't consider how he could use all that excess to help his neighbor. Instead, he decides that he's going to build bigger barns, larger storerooms, so that he can, he can amass more of this surplus. I love what St. Augustine wrote about this parable. In some of his notes on the New Testament, Augustine says, the farmer was planning to fill his soul with excessive and unnecessary feasting and was proudly disregarding all those empty bellies of the poor. He did not realize that the bellies of the poor were much safer storerooms than his barns. I love that. I have been thinking about that all week Augustine hits the nail on the head. It's exactly what he says. The sin of the farmer, the mistake that he makes is his choice to go the way of greed. And you know what? That farmer is not alone. His challenge is our challenge. The reality is so many of us feel the pressure of this world to achieve, to have more and more to collect stuff. And that pressure can make us greedy because we become convinced that we need more. So like the farmer, we build bigger and bigger storerooms for all the things that we have, but it's never enough. And so we just continue to amass. And that's why God says, you fool. You're a fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you and the things you prepared Whose will they be? God says you're preparing and planning for this luxurious future life. But what if you're gone tomorrow? Those bigger barns, all of that preparation, it won't matter. How does the old adage go? You never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. My father-in-law says that all the time. You can't take it with you. See, Jesus is trying desperately to help us understand that in the eyes of God, our lives and our achievements are not defined by what we have. We don't need all the things we think we need. Jesus uses this parable to help the crowd that he's preaching to see that one of the greatest enemies and pressures that they face is greed. 
And you know what? 2,000 years later, nothing has changed. I read some fascinating uh, research on greed this week. Zogby Analytics, which is kind of a preeminent pollster in America, recently conducted a, a large poll in which respondents identified greed and materialism as the number one most urgent problem in American culture. Another poll from Vanity Fair uh, found that 78% of Americans disagreed with the famous uh, Gordon Gecko quote, greed is good. Another recent poll by The Economist asked readers, what is the deadliest sin? And greed ranked number one. Overwhelmingly, people agree that greed is a terrible problem. But here's the really interesting thing about the research. Most people don't think that they are greedy. The BBC conducted a poll uh, on the seven deadly sins, anger, envy, gluttony, greed, lust, pride, and sloth. And they asked two questions. Number one, which of these sins have you committed? And number two, which of these sins have you committed in the past month? For both questions, greed finished dead last. Plenty of people in the survey admitted to being lazy or proud, envious, angry, even lustful. But greedy? Seventh out of seven. Last on the list. So everybody admits that greed is one of the most significant problems in our world, and yet the majority of people believe that it is the sin they struggle with the least. We somehow believe that it is the most prevalent sin in the world and the least prevalent sin in me. The point is, the way of greed is sneaky. Just like that farmer, we don't mean to stumble into it. We're just living our lives, doing what we think we're supposed to do. And before long, we realize that everything in our lives is about us. It's about our comfort and our security and our success and our achievements and our status. It is so easy for us to find that the pressure to achieve has led us down the way of greed. But the good news for us tonight is that there is another way. We don't have to take the way of greed. Instead, we can take the route that Jesus so often advocates in the gospel. We can take the way of need. Y'all know I love a rhyme. Here's what I mean by the way of need. The way of greed says, store up as many things as you can for yourself. If you get more, build a bigger barn. If you get more than that, build another bigger barn. Amass stuff. But the way of need is way different. It's about, it's about just meeting our needs. Just meeting need. And, and, and that does include our own need. Notice that, that God doesn't call him a fool because he's successful and has a great harvest. That is not the issue. He doesn't call him a fool because he has enough to feed himself or provide for himself. He calls him a fool because of how he uses his abundance. He stores it away. 
Just like Augustine says, he doesn't realize that the safest place for his excess grain isn't in bigger barns. It's in the bellies of those who need it. It's in the bellies of those who are hungry. Look, it's not a sin for us to have what we need. It is not wrong for us to provide for our families or to own things. That is not at all what Jesus is saying, and I want to be clear about that. But what he is saying is that when we have excess, when we find ourselves overflowing, when we find ourselves within abundance of something, way more than we need, we ought to first recognize who it comes from. And second, we ought to be willing to use it to meet someone else's need. I wanna tell you a, a story about James Harrison. He's also known as the man with the golden arm. When James was in the hospital as a young man, doctors discovered that his blood had a massive amount of RHD immune globulin, or anti-D. Uh, essentially, they discovered that his blood could be used to create a drug that helps preg pregnant mothers who develop a, a disease called HDN, which can be uh, extremely dangerous to their babies. I feel like Cheryl, Cheryl is a NICU nurse. I feel like she should be explaining this, honestly. Um, but the point is, he had a really high concentration of this antibody, something in his blood. He had this rare thing in abundance. And so he decided to use it to help others. For 63 years, from the time he was 18 to the time he was 81, James Harrison gave, gave blood and plasma every two weeks. He donated 1,173 times in his life. And the only reason he stopped was because the law in Australia makes you stop giving blood when you turn 81. It is estimated that because of his donations, James Harrison saved 2.4 million babies. Look this guy up, absolutely incredible. But James had something in abundance. His storerooms were full, and so he used what he had to meet a need. It could not have been easy to spend 63 years of his life with a needle in his arm every two weeks. But still, he took the way of need. I want to tell you the story of another man, a different man. Admittedly, his story is not quite as dramatic as James Harrison's, but it's still really meaningful to me. His name was Mr. Booty, and he was my next door neighbor in Tyler. Uh, when we first moved to Tyler, I was in seventh grade, and I would go outside in the street and bounce a ball around because I didn't know anyone and I had nothing better to do. Uh, well, one day, Mr. Booty caught me and told me to use his basketball goal whenever I wanted. And he was insistent about it. He told me to use it day or night whenever I wanted and that he would always keep uh, a basketball out for me to use. And so I took him up on that offer. I shot hundreds, honestly, I, I probably shot thousands of baskets on that goal for years of my childhood. And looking back on it now as an adult, I must have gotten on their nerves. I would go out there super late at night and dribble and shoot baskets and, and he never said a word about it. And never once was that ball flat. He always kept it aired up for me. He always made sure that his driveway was clear for me. And he didn't have to do that. 
I was just some kid next door. But Mr. Booty knew that, that, that I had just moved to town. He knew I didn't have a lot of friends yet. And he knew that I didn't have a basketball goal. And so he took the way of need. He met my need with something that he had. You know, I hadn't thought about that in years, but a, a couple of weeks ago, Hannah and I went to Tyler with Sadie and uh, they indulged me. I was feeling nostalgic. And so we drove around to all my old spots and, and we went by my house, my old house. And as we were driving by my old house, I saw that, that, that basketball goal and it all came rushing back. I even took a couple of pictures. Now I'm sure the new owners of that house would be super creeped out by this. Uh, Cause I was just some random guy like photographing their home. But, but it just goes to show that even sharing something as small as access to your basketball goal can leave a lasting impact. Look, here's why I tell you those two stories. We have two men with two extremely different things to offer. One had a golden arm that saved millions and one just had an old basketball goal. But they both had something in excess. They had more of something than they needed, something unused. They had extra grains and goods in their storeroom. And instead of building bigger barns, instead of storing it for themselves like the man in our parable, they gave it away. They lived lives informed by the, 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 the way of need. They used it for others. And that's what the man in our parable didn't do. And that's why God calls him a fool. Because he took the way of greed rather than the way of need. He had plenty, way more than he could use for himself. And he chose to squirrel it away. But James Harrison and Mr. Booty, they used what they had in excess to bless others. They used the abundance of their storerooms to meet the needs around them. And so here's the question I want all of us to ask ourselves, and I really hope that, that we do ask ourselves this. Where in your life is your storeroom full? What do you have in abundance? And how can those things meet a need? And here's the thing, I'm not just talking about financial abundance, although that's great. If you've got plenty of money and you wanna use that to bless people, by all means, that's wonderful. But I'm talking about the totality of all that you have, your resources and your time and your talents and your God-given abilities. Maybe you're, you are a, a really creative person. If God has given you that in abundance, how can you use it to meet a need? Maybe you have a lot of time on your hands these days. If God has given you space in your life, how can you use it to meet a need? Maybe you've got an abundance, an excess of some skill, like playing an instrument or planning events or making things pretty and decorating or public speaking, or maybe you're super patient. Maybe you have that in abundance. That is not mine, but whatever it is, how can you use what God has given you in abundance 
to meet a need? How can you use your full storerooms to further the kingdom of God and the mission of Jesus Christ? Because whether you have magical blood that can save millions or whether all you have is an unused basketball goal, we can always find a way to use what we have to use the abundance that God has given us to meet the needs of those around us. It's up to us to choose who we're going to be more like. We can go one way and be like the farmer from our parable, or we can go the other way and be like James Harrison and Mr. Booty. We have a choice. When the pressure to achieve bears down on us and we feel like we are being crushed like Thomas the Tank Engine by a hydraulic press. May we always choose the way of need over the way of greed. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, we confess that we are a people who so often think that stuff, material possessions, are going to make us happy. That that next thing is going to make it all come together. But Lord, the good news for us tonight is that we don't need a lot. You are a God who tells us there is blessing in having less. There is blessing in generosity, in giving what we have. And so, Lord, I pray that, that you would help us to identify in our own lives where our storerooms are full. Whether it's a talent or time or a resource, whether it's an old basketball goal. God, help us to find places where what we have can meet a need. Lord, we love you. And we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.